Well, welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. In this episode of Deep in Scripture, I'd, I'd like to consider something that almost all lifelong Catholic Christians take for granted. To them, it's almost as unnoticeable as the air we breathe or the water in which a fish swims. For this same subject is something that nearly all non-Catholic Christians take for granted as wrong, as not important, in fact, for some as heresy. 500 years ago, this subject was a hot debate amongst the Protestant reformers as they debated with Catholics defending the Catholic tradition and amongst themselves as each reforming leader had a different opinion. But today for most Christians, Catholics or non, it's a subject rarely discussed. Today I'd like to address it briefly in terms of the cross, baptism, and the Eucharist. But first, a few years ago, Ignatius Press published my book, Life from Our Land, which was subtitled, The Search for a Simpler Life in a Complex World. Now, as I reflect on the direction that our culture and world, and sadly even our church, seem to be headed, I think that what I tried to say in my book is even more relevant, and why I constantly need to put my own life where my mouth is. Essentially, I was trying to address the important warning that our Lord gave us in Luke chapter 12, verse 40, quote, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect, end of quote. Of all the reviews of my book, I was most humbled and honored by one given by a kind Amish woman in an Amish farm journal. She affirmed almost everything I tried to say about living the detached, simple gospel life, but the one thing she took umbrage with was my Catholic view of baptism. And this reminded me once again that one of the primary things that separates Catholic Christians from nearly all other Christians is our unwavering emphasis on the sacramental economy. As stated in the Catechism, in this age of the Church, Christ now lives and acts in and with his Church in a new way appropriate to this new age. He acts through the sacraments in what the common tradition of the East and the West calls the sacramental economy. This is the communication or dispensation of the fruits of Christ's paschal mystery in the celebration of the church's sacramental liturgy. And this can be found in the Catechism, paragraph 1076. In other words, in this church age, God has chosen to communicate his grace and therefore his salvation primarily through the mediation of physical objects. Now, there is certainly much that can be said here, and for which I strongly recommend that you read the Catechism. But it reminds me of how I myself once thought as an evangelical, that all that was necessary for salvation and life in Christ was a sincere, heartfelt faith in Jesus Christ. Certainly, Church was necessary to provide fellowship and support and worship, but membership in any institutional physical church was not necessary for salvation, and the partaking of any sacraments or ordinances was nothing more than a public sign of the work of faith and grace already present in someone's life. 
we essentially believed that God had not chosen physical things as means of grace, but rather that this idea was nothing more than an accretion from ages of Catholic priestly hegemony. Dare I suggest that we evangelicals were borderline Gnostics? But think for a moment. Was it necessary that Christ die on a cross? We may agree that in the mystery of God's plan, his son had to die for our salvation. But wouldn't it have been just as sufficient if Jesus had been, let's say, pushed off that cliff near Nazareth or stoned to death by the angry crowd? Why the wooden, old, rugged cross? But God, in his wisdom and economy, knowing us as the creatures he created and with whom he has wrestled ever since the rebellion of Adam, chose the physicality of the cross as the means of our salvation. We cannot have salvation without looking to the cross. Hear this as it is expressed in the words of Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. In Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Then in Colossians chapter 1, 19 and 20, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And then later in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, And you who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled the bond which stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And then finally, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. From the beginning, there have been those who have rejected the physicality of the cross. As St. Paul noted in Philippians chapter 3, 17 through 18, For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. It is not merely the sacrificial death of our Lord that we recognize, but the physical means of this death 
on the cross. As St. Paul strongly emphasized in Galatians chapter 6, 14, But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It is this physicality of the cross as the means of our salvation that is shared actually in all the sacraments, for example, in baptism. Many, many Christians around the world insist that only mental and heartfelt faith in Christ is necessary for salvation. Yet from the beginning, physical baptism in water was emphasized as the necessary means of receiving the grace of forgiveness and salvation, of becoming a new creation in Christ, of becoming a member of the church, the body of Christ, and as our Lord states in John chapter 3, verse 5, of entering the kingdom of God. For example, listen to these scriptures. In Matthew 28, 19, we hear the um, well-known Great Commission. Our Lord said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, our Lord says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 4, St. Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Then in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Baptism which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when Peter is confronted by the crowd after his first sermon, he says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then two more verses in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul writes, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. In Galatians chapter 3, 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's not enough time in this episode of deep in Scripture, to include all the evidence from Scripture, as well as the early church fathers, to emphasize that from the beginning, 
contrary to the relativizing individualism of our postmodern world. From the beginning, physical baptism was assumed necessary for membership in the church as well as for salvation. This is why every Catholic missionary throughout history has striven to baptize every non-Christian adult, child, or infant, even in the threat of death. But of course, this is particularly true of the physicality of the Eucharist. From the beginning, as witnessed universally in Scripture and in the writings of the early church fathers, the bread and wine were never understood as mere symbols, but as the very body and blood of our Lord. Even given the chance of losing all of his disciples, our Lord proclaimed, as reported in John chapter 6, 53, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. St. Paul took the physicality of the Eucharist so seriously that he warned the Corinthian Christians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty or profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. In this 21st century, with blue skies above, suburbs burgeoning with luxurious homes and high-tech automobiles that, that even drive themselves, personal electronics and multimedia that even our parents never imagined, our neighborhoods brimming with specialty grocers and exorbitantly priced coffee bars, and our churches posing few challenges to our affluence. It's hard to believe that Jesus seriously said, as reported in Matthew 24, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and they did not know until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. End of quote. But in the same way that we so flippantly assume that Christ's words surely don't refer to our generation, do we also flippantly assume that the physicality of the cross, of baptism, of the Eucharist, and of the other sacraments, as well as of the church as the sacrament of our salvation, do we flippantly assume that these are unnecessary for our salvation, as well as for that of our children? Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.